Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Namaste, my friends, and welcome back to the Yoga Revealed podcast. This is Alec Vishal Rubin traveling across the world for seven months, interviewing some of the most well-practiced and devoted teachers. Today, it is an auspicious day to introduce two advanced teachers in the practice of Ashtanga Vinyasa Yoga, my teachers Richard Freeman and Mary Taylor. We met back in October to highlight their upcoming book release, The Art of Vinyasa. That that everything in our lives that we do becomes um, important enough that it it can uh, trigger our aesthetic sense of meaning and truth and beauty and so everything we do can be approached in a way as an art. It is a high blessing for us all to receive the teachings of two deeply devoted and kind practitioners of yoga. Slow down and tune in to this very special episode of the Yoga Revealed podcast. Welcome, my friends, back to Yoga Revealed Podcast. This is Alec Vishal Rubin, and it is such a blessing to be here in beautiful Boulder, Colorado, on an amazing sunny day. And I sit across from two huge influencers in the yoga community, teachers and imprints in my life, Richard Freeman and Mary Taylor. Guys, thank you so much for taking time to come back onto Yoga Revealed Podcast. What a gift it is to sit across from both of you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So today we are talking about something very exciting. You guys have spent, I'm not sure how much time, I'm sure a lot of time, <laughs> uh, developing and writing a book. Yeah. That's exciting. <laughs> it's taken a lot of work. Yeah, it's a lot of time, a lot of work, and uh, 
It should be out. We're mm. hoping. It's out of our hands, so we're happy about that. Wow. Yeah. That's exciting. Well, the title of this book is The Art of Vinyasa, Awakening Body and Mind Through the Practice of Ashtanga Yoga. Mm-hmm. Mm. We have a lot to talk about. <laughs> so my first question that I thought about when, I was, uh, when we settled set this interview in place was, A, what is vinyasa? Funny you should ask that mm, question. Very much. <laughs> so, um, the word nyasa is, uh, means to sanctify something and then to place it down and let it go. Mm. And so you would do that with uh, an offering uh, in a temple uh, or just a gift you give to somebody. You would wrap it up and make it all proper, mm-hmm. and then you just give it to him. And then when you let it go, that's called that placement or putting it down, letting it go, nyasa. Mm-hmm. And uh, within the uh, yoga tradition, this is one something you would you would use nyasa after you bathe to sanctify your body. Mm-hmm. So you take a bath, and then you place mantras inside your body in usually 13 different places Uh, and you can visualize deities with those mantras if you like and in this way you have that placement and then when you're done then you're finished your bath and you have a whole different perception of your body Mm -hmm. Um, so vinyasa is then the particular steps you take in order to do the nyasa so you're, well, there are always things you have to do, uh, like uh, you know, balance the offering. Uh, if you're going to give a flower to someone, you get a nice flower. Uh, if you're working on a mandala or a, uh, you know, the, where you're imagining the petals of a flower, you would arrange the flower neatly. You would make all the contexts correct. You would even, uh, you know. <laughs> Pay it off, you know, if you had any debt on it. And so then when it's all wrapped up and it's a package, through many, many steps and counter steps, uh, that's where the work is. Then finally, you give it away. Uh, and the ideal eventually is you do this with the entire universe. You place, every, once something means, you know, it's become sacred to you, then you, like your whole subtle body or one of your chakras or something like that, Uh, then when you perceive it, you see, oh, everything is there. This is truly, you know, all beings are in this. And then when you place it, then you let it go. That's the sense of like, ah, total relief. Mm -hmm. uh, But what's interesting is the, the idea of the vinyasa, which is then balancing, left to right, front to back, top to bottom, uh, both physically and then mentally, intellectually, and then arranging for whatever has to be done. Hmm. So something interesting comes up. I feel when you explained all this, there's like a finesse to how we approach this sense of placing. And and that finesse could be almost an art. (laughs) 
Is that what this book is about? It, it should be an art. Yeah, I mean, one would hope that after some time of doing that sort of thing, you realize exactly that, that it is, you know, that, that, the, that, that everything in our lives that we do becomes um, important enough that it, it, it can uh, trigger our aesthetic sense of meaning and truth and beauty and so everything we do can be approached in a, a way as mm. an art. And so in terms of yoga, the idea of vinyasa um, takes on the meaning of exactly what Richard was saying, where we, in our practice, it isn't just throwing ourselves into poses and trying to rush through a class or mm. trying to zone out in a class or you know, bliss out or avoid. It's a, the, that clear step-by-step -step, uh, approach to doing something that we feel this deep sense of connection to and aesthetic with, an art of. And then we take those steps and the counter steps and you can make them as big or as small as seems appropriate at any given step where, you know, the breath step by step or the movement step by counter step can be on extremely subtle levels mm. and then you let it go and so in a yoga practice often what we forget is one of those two aspects of the vinyasa either taking that care of really truly working it from every angle in an even and balanced way with mm. the steps and counter steps or the idea of letting it go and placing it down and letting it go mm. um, so so within yoga I, I that makes a lot of sense and I almost kind of want to shift it just for a moment how this art form can be fully inclusive just as you said something that you feel on a deep visceral level where you're placing your attention I mean, wouldn't that be able to go into uh, those who write literature, those who create artwork, and those who are so filled up in their body, in their mind? Uh, and, do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and because whatever you're doing, um, it's if it becomes yoga, it's going to follow this pattern of Abhyasa, like in Yoga Sutra, they say there's Abhyasa and Vairagyam. Mm. And this is what gives you that state of Nirodha, or the, the mind becoming, you know, awestruck and stunned. And so the Abhyasa, which means is the Vinyasa. And then the Vairagyam is when you, one, you, it's all of a sudden it's balanced and you see it as sacred, or mm. you see it as empty. Mm. And then there's the natural letting go. And, and this would be in all types of work, you know, depending on whatever yeah, and it kind of work someone likes. You know, it could be in gardening. Mm. Or yeah. In, yeah, in construction books. work or, yeah. in, or in another, you know, quote-unquote art form, like a visual art or writing or music. Um, yeah. And the, the difficult part often when you create something in, as an artist or as someone who is feeling this sense of art coming from yourself is the the process of seeing when it's finished and letting it be mm. and stepping back and taking oneself out of the picture so that you know as a 
writer if you write some brilliant you know piece of work and then you you are so taken with it like you know you wander around the rest of your life thinking this is it that has been written in the world the best thing that's ever been written then you've even if it happened to be one of the best things you've kind of never let it go yeah never let it go <laughs> and you you you've lost a huge part of what the function and value of it might have been you've you've kind of stepped in there yourself and so part of it is this process of working something over to the point that that you do disappear you you let it go because you've disappeared from the you know connection to it as mine mm, and yeah. that's i think part yeah. of it and i think in yoga practice um, well there are different historical cycles and then different <laughs> approaches to yoga and occasionally i notice you know certain um, approaches where the vairagyam or the nyasa mm. is neglected mm. because uh, the people practicing don't want to uh, let go and come back into that innocent state of just not knowing anything where they, they aren't really there they're just but rather the, the ego wants to never dissolve uh, to never dissipate and you know for the fiction that it ultimately is mm-hmm. and so there, there's a lot of practice but there's no letting go and it's a risk to let go <laughs> you know because yeah it's a major <laughs> risk so you want to yeah it's because it's like offering a gift um, yeah and it's the wrong size pants yeah, wrong <laughs> <laughs> so i'm curious when you were speaking i was like is this different than being absorbed in something almost like as you're creating this thing that we're going to hope to pass off and let go that like state mm. of being so immersed absorption that you disappear yeah so in what happens with vinyasa practice is um you'll be doing many many little vinyasa say in your body you'll be doing tiny tiny vinyasas just with the subtle sensations in your nose. <laughs> okay. Our breath. Yeah, in your breath. And so then you'll be doing tiny nyasas with a, you know, it's almost like you complete a tiny little package. And if you get absorbed, you go, wow. But mm. then there's a bigger package that you're creating. And so then you'll do other, so you're often doing uh, the release or the letting go as you're, practicing. They're almost simultaneous. The better you are, the more you you complete one step and you have that joy of letting go, but there are 25 steps to go. And so then you... And so it's... It's funny how... It's almost like you're seeing how in the creation of like one petal of the flower, I'm going to offer, make, you know, a huge circle of them. Uh, but there's such satisfaction in that that that's a mini nyasa, which we could also call a vinyasa. <laughs> and you just keep going. So you, the better you get, the more you're letting go. And also, also the more as you say, the more absorbed you are in each of those moments and subtle moments. And so, yes, that feeling of absorption and hmm. sort of you disappearing in this sense of 
interconnectedness is right there. But the trick with the human mind is to not let that then say, oh my God, this is so cool. I'm like, you know, absorbed and I'm, I'm, I've disappeared. Isn't this, <laughs> isn't this wonderful? Look at me. <laughs> and that's, so it's this slippery slope that we run into and over and like over. The ego becomes attached either to vairagyam, complete letting go, or becomes attached to practice. It doesn't see that they're interdependent. So there's a paradox so there, here. Yeah. Oh yeah. oh yeah, that's always a good sign. I think. <laughs> so you'll find in other groups of yogis who, they won't practice. They just do vairagyam. <laughs> you know, that's they sit around, yeah, yeah I, don't, you know, I don't need to read philosophy, or I don't need to do pranayama or asana, because man, I'm already there. And in, only in theory, but they're not really seeing the beauty of mm. the details mm. of, you know, these small, uh, limited contextual realities that are the body, that are the mind, that are the physical manifestations and forms around us. So they're unable to actually do art, because the ego has collapsed onto, you don't have to do anything, you're already... The ego is saying, I'm already perfect, man. And so those are the extreme, you know, the vairagis who haven't done the practice. And then you get the fanatics who just do the practice but never do the vairagyam. Yeah, so paradox. <laughs> so we have a, the art of vidyasa. There's an art to the vidyasa of breath that we're hearing. Is there a vinyasa to thought? Oh, yeah. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you feel that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And of course, people don't think about that. They're just thinking about the, in contemporary Hatha Yoga, hmm. they're just thinking of the sequencing of postures. Initially, that's what people love. They think of it in vinyasa. Well, I'm going to do the fish pose after I do the bridge shoulder stand or fish pose after the shoulder stand. Because they're obviously complementary opposites, mm. and that feels great. But then zoom in, you know, a little bit, and you see what there's the vinyasa of inhaling and exhaling, and the inhaling and exhaling have very different, they switch on different systems in the body that are going back and forth. And so initially, that's where we appreciate it. But then we see our in our interpretations of that, um, we're always doing what the Yoga Sutras would call vitarka. Okay, so tark means to make a proposition about something, just a theory. And vitarka is a counter-proposition. Hmm. So that's a word for the, the discipline of logic. Hmm. But you're always doing it, you know, thought by thought. You know, you kind of, well, I overthought, well, I think that about that person. No, they're not quite that bad. And then you think, oh, they're not quite that good. And you think back and forth. And the mind always does that. So there's a vinyasa in the thinking. And then it gets more subtle. There's a, you know, just vichara is also the vinyasa of subtle inquiry. When the mind is so awake that you can't get whole formulated theory, it's just working with sensation and then these deeper intuitions back and forth. And it's, so the whole, th all of creation vibrates back and forth, which if eventually you can feel or, feel or see as vinyasa. And it takes mm -hmm. 
the element, two elements, I think, of, you know, dedication and work and discipline. Mm -hmm. You know, those are paramount to being able to to actually engage in this process because you have to be constantly waking up just as you've experienced in your own yoga practice where you know you have to constantly show up so that's the work that and the dedication and then the discipline to really pay attention and at those moments within our practice or within our relationships with others or within our relationship with our own mind or whatever um, the discipline to to persevere and to be truthful and honest and keep our eyes open so that we can make the right take the right action and keep the work going so it's almost like you know we are the worker bees mm-hmm. of this process mm-hmm. of of keeping this alive so that it it can manifest in whatever way is actually uh, the best in terms of these actions, counteractions, and op- complementary opposites. Mm. Yeah. Thoughts and counter thoughts. So, <laughs> so it's yeah. There's a lot to that word. <laughs> thoughts. Yeah, thoughts. Uh, well, the whole idea is that everything is composed of this vibrance. Mm-hmm this vibrance, and that if you really look closely at the vibrance, it's this process, mm-hmm. and there's not a thing or ego in it. It's just what they call Brahman, or emptiness. And so that vibrance, um, they call Spanda Shakti, that's the word for prana. Mm. Spanda means there's vibrant. Divine energy. That's what's happening. Mm. So I wonder, over the last twenty minutes, have we tapped into anything that you guys have written about? <laughs> oh no! No. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> We're working our way there, step by step. <laughs> so, what is like some of the t- yes. <laughs> top themes and highlights and focal points in the book? <laughs> I love it. Um, <laughs> we should have looked at it before we, <laughs> we haven't looked at it for perfect <laughs> well you guys let it go it's important to place it all for a minute <laughs> um, fantasy and monotony yeah. yeah so um, the use of the imagination uh, in primarily in yoga postures initially and then in contemplative practice and so, Vikalpa? Imagination. Yeah, Vikalpa is imagination. Yeah, no. and visualization. Yeah, visualization. And so, uh, for example, um, to learn a classical or an ancient way of learning alignment, not that that's an ancient word, would be to uh, visualize deity form. Mm. And a lot of modern people think, well, that means that you believe in the deity or something. But no, if you're familiar with through mythology and just through being around deity forms, uh, it's not a matter of believing or not believing in them. It's a matter of you embody it, the attitude of it, just like in a really good story. You know, you, you start to take on the 
you feel the the hero of the story or the you know protagonists of the story and uh, you feel their emotions and so the deity forms um, teach you basically alignment and uh, so we use imagination in order to feel subtle things deep inside the body as we practice the yoga and, and mm. this use of visualization, you know, traditionally in within the Indian uh, tradition is something that, you know, you're going to India and that you will be running into all kinds of uh, amazing deities that are sculptures here and there, pictures here and there. And so the art forms were very, are very uh, specific in the way they are approached. Uh, it's not like, you know, you just say, oh, well, I'm going to do this abstract form of Ganesh, and which can be a beautiful, could be a beautiful thing. Um, but if, if you are approaching it as a meditative art, uh, for instance, working on drawing a tonka, you don't, you could take the classical way of drawing tonkas and make some, study that for a long, long, long time and practice it for an even longer time mm. and learn how the proportions have been traditionally worked with, etc. And then you can reproduce these beautiful tankas or beautiful statues. Mm. Um, and then at that point, as a modern artist, you might do some form of art that's a, that's a version of that that might be stunning. But in terms of the classical look, um, you would have had the training to be able to reproduce that as it was made in the classical manner. And that the classical manners have been developed uh, with a lot of trial and error and lineage uh, influence, just like a yoga practice has, a, a solid yoga practice has, so that it's not like you just freeform everything. You have this deep background, understanding proportion that stimulates within the body the precise uh, movements and forms and subtle subtle awareness within the subtle body that is written about in lot of, in many of the you know texts etc or that we as yoga, modern yoga students you know sort of aim at or aspire to finding the, these same feelings of correct proportions so that it's not just like you know any proportion works any amount of action and counteraction there's this extreme uh, refinement to it and this balance to it that um, that gives you the real deal and the the deep connection to what we're looking for in yoga and so that so it's not just a random. Well, let me think this. Now I'm thinking this. Let me think mm -hmm. that. It's it's something that is very very refined, and be, through art and through visualization of that art, and it doesn't have to be simply in Indian art. It also happens in some of the classical Western art. Or, Egyptian, yeah. Egyptian display in London a hmm. few weeks ago. Totally like yeah, fantastic animal heads and yeah. tails on the different deities and all interface with Greek, ancient Greek art, or same principles going on. For example, if you want to sit straight for meditation, um, 
you know, there's a certain, you could describe it biomechanically. You know, like you should put, you know, the, the ears, centers of your ears are pretty much in the same plane, the same coronal plane as the centers of your shoulder joints, which are in the same as the centers of your hip joints. Okay. That's a pretty boring description, but <laughs> it'll work, you know. But the, the, uh, these other schools, they would have you, you know, visualize a remarkable crown on the head with like really nicely designed earrings. Mm. And then the way the uh, shoulders, you know, fall or the cloth falls down the back of, mm. of the deity. And then the way the, the chest opens. And then there's so many ways it can be done with golden spires on the crown of the head or um, um, it's visceral fancy little and, yeah, belts it, it, and things and it's not that you believe in these things sure. it's just like you feel them you feel sure. them sure and then the uh, uh, another thing we do in the, is to feel your pelvic floor um, you can imagine you have a tail hmm and it's not your tail you know it's the Right, <laughs> and that means that the muscles of the pelvic floor uh, have just come online, and then it allows you to trace these very subtle internal lines to the body. So, how is it through visualizing um, different deities? How does that relate to our yoga practice, and what is the service to that relationship? What do we receive? Oh, well, you, you start to get the visceral feeling of the, the physiology of what it is to, uh, to be open, to be free. Because we're in yoga, basically, we're imitating what the posture would be is if, you, if you were wide awake and you weren't like, you know, feeling neurotic or psychotic or oh, something. Oh, goodness. Uh, <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, so it's almost like, uh, you know, so let me assume the posture of being awake and the posture of having, you know, mm. open heart and having dropped the breath mm. deep down into the navel or uh, having my palate empty as if, you know, I were really listening or really seeing or really... Mm -hmm. uh, and so we create that uh, condition in the prana, which is the, our sense fields and our physiology of what it would be like to be awake. Mm -hmm. Not that we're awake, but so we almost imitate. And then doing that, all of a sudden you, your senses are reawakened. You know, you start to like, oh, you feel things differently. Um, as if perhaps you know the the deity in some sense is what your actual being is, you know, not that your ego is that mm. deity, but this is what it feels like to really let go of everything. Um, so, a certain part of yoga is returning to what's already there, to your natural state, to you know the. the truth of who you are as a person interconnected with others without your you know facade of self and so it's just these tricks whether they're physical mental imaginary of 
the tricks of getting back to the state of um, pure awareness. And it, it's just, it's okay. getting back to the state of connection to mm. that, but not then identifying with it and saying, oh, I've got it. Uh. And so to be able to identify it, we have to identify it in order to be able to talk about it. But it, at the moment you identify it and put a name on pure consciousness, then then you're you, well you're kind of in trouble but you have to be it's again a paradox you we're have yeah you're already in trouble you were born oh, gosh. <laughs> so so it's the again it's this paradox that we always mm. run into and so these are tricks to unlearn some of the stuff that you've you know become so certain about yeah and you one hopes that that's within our practices that you know, that's even when you've written a book that you think is good, that, um, that you let it go and that you then think, maybe I don't know anything. And maybe that's true. <laughs> In what experiences for you two who spent so much time, 1973? 68. 68? 71. 71, being a student and, and teaching throughout, uh, what experiences today do you, leaves you feeling like, ah, I know nothing, but I'm still receiving. <laughs> Watering the lawn. Yeah, I was going to say, just, uh, <laughs> and just about anything. Yeah. <laughs> Watching the honeybees and the flowers, it's yeah. like, wow, no idea. And then whenever I teach a class, I really go, oh, I know nothing. <laughs> But it's nice not to know anything. It's like a, a, a moment of trust, you know, where you kind of let go of your knowledge structure and you're, you're right back at that beginning point, which is good, a good alignment will give you that taste. Mm. And uh, it has something to do with what you're communicating through the, the discipline of yoga. That mm. It makes no sense on social media, though. Uh, <laughs> I don't know anything. <laughs> yeah. It could be a new trend. Maybe. Yeah. I, mean, I doubt yeah. it. But it, would, it would be a short-lived you know, trend. You know the word shraddha, which is a, a big mm. one, in, meaning trust, or often translated as faith. Mm. But it doesn't really mean a, a religious faith, like I believe in this prophet, but not in that. You know, things mm. that you could never know anyway. And mm. You're faking it, you're believing it, or pretending you do. But the shraddha is more like uh, being very comfortable not knowing. It's like this trust, and you can know, even hesitant to say what it is you trust in, but you kind of know in a way. Mm -hmm. And you keep returning to that present moment feeling. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so within the book we try, the first third of it is a, a, a part that is, you know, working this kind of idea. Um, the idea of developing, you know, a sense of trust, a sense of connection to beauty and to this inner balance through different things like visualization, etc. Um, so the first third of it is that and a little bit of actual quote-unquote anatomy, you know, true anatomy, what would be called anatomy. And scientific. <laughs> you know, somewhat scientific. <laughs> you know, so there's that part. And then the next... Two-thirds is about, is simply the postures, 
that are in the Ashtanga system mm -hmm. that are all of the postures of the primary and intermediate series and a few others um, that exemplify um, some of the points that we're making about the different families of postures. So what makes it different from other books about Ashtanga yoga is that we didn't take the tact of having it be, well, here's the primary series, here's the intermediate series, um, and here are the postures. Um, although they're all there, what we did was to divide them into families so that you could look at, at the common um, patterns. patterns, say, of forward bends or back bends or twists. twists. And then at the back, we do have the lists and the pictures of, you know, what the series are. But part of what felt uh, important to us in terms of this book was to be able to, you know, for people who are longtime Ashtanga practitioners, to be able to offer something that allows us to look at our practices from a slightly different perspective. Uh, not necessarily saying, here's this series, that series, etc. And for people who are non-Ashtanga yoga practitioners, uh, we offer it in terms of, you know, how those postures do tie together to make some sense, that those that appear in the series. So we're hoping that it... Yeah. Um, so it's going to allow the Ashtanga system to... Then once people know, know it then they can adapt it to specific circumstances, mm -hmm. like old age, disease, death, mm. uh, things that... We've worked on all of those except the death part yeah, so far. We're working on For sure. But, you know, it's like... Because the, the principles remain. It, it's just that, you know, you're... You know, depending on your, uh, your abilities and, get, you know, they change mm. over the... Uh, not only, they change day to day, but decade to decade, mm. you know, so. And, and again, that's a good thing. You know, that's a, a difficult thing for yoga practitioners on one level to, you know, have an illness or an injury that then, and I've been in the yoga practice room with you, Alec, and have been ill or have seen others with injuries, etc. And, um we continue to practice and to figure out what that means within that context, which is a very important part of yoga, is to not uh, run away from it and also not be so pig-headed that you just stick with it no matter what and do the same thing over and over and, and uh, become dogmatic. And so it is a reality that for all of us, you know, it's a very, very important thing to to start looking at what our ideal might be, and then, well, what's the reality mm. today? Got to ride the wave. Got to ride the wave and have those little steps within that riding of the wave of, well, here's this action, and if I take that action, then here's the counteraction so I don't fall off the surfboard. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. yeah. Mm. And then you, what you find is that you know, using that analogy of riding waves, that you get, you know, you get more adept. You can do more um, complicated, you know, bigger waves mm -hmm. because you have, you can, it's, you've honed the finesse of interacting with 
within that system of the practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there are the times when the hurricane puts you off. Yeah. Yeah, no. and sometimes you need to evacuate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so part of the idea in the book is that we are trying to point out what, what is of importance that we're actually working on as we uh, practice yoga. Hmm. Um, and that's something you, you, know, you have to reformulate. Well, this is what's important, and this is what's important. And so it gradually becomes more and more clear, like, what is it that's really interesting? Would you say that 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 which is important is uh, universal to each practitioner, each person, or maybe there's some individual facets of... Well, there are individual facets, but there's something about it that we hesitate to define. It's completely... Is the same the right word? Universal the right word? Because then you, then you start to see others as you know, doing the same practice you are. And then it makes you a little more compassionate. Hmm. Doesn't seem you're too hesitant to <laughs> try to, de- not define it, but to maybe touch it. Yeah, yeah. Why wait? <laughs> <laughs> it's much more fun. <laughs> Hmm. So what are some of those universal uh, threads that are weaving us all together in this practice? What are they? Let's see. Well, I I mean, I think again in um, what we've tried to do in this book is to recognize that they are tangible things like within an asana practice and then less tangible things like visualization or ethical underpinnings that um, within each of those, you know, whether it's some tangible thing like, well, you rotate your foot this way or some tangible thing like, well, you don't kill people, um, or they then become more and more and more subtle levels of uh, comprehension Mm. of how... uh, whatever topic you're thinking of, whether it's the anatomy or the ethics, how those are constructed, relate within your understanding of things, relate within your experience of things, and then relate with you as part of the bigger picture. And so how does it, how how do you get into this understanding from a broad view to a more subtle view, whether it's in a through an asana or through a theory or through a visualization, how do you do that? Because the part of what we are doing every time we practice is to to go to that level, whether it's you know the sameness or the universalness or whatever, we're deepening into that place. And that's, I think, one of the reasons so many people are interested in yoga these days, is you get a taste for that, sense of touching into something that is vast and and it's it's just wonderful and so you mm. want to try to get there from as many different ways as you can and then let it go put it down do the work do the discipline and then let it go mm-hmm.
Thank you. So, could we maybe speak to some of the uh, challenges that have arisen through writing this book? <laughs> and how you've used the challenge as the <laughs> practice material. I would imagine so. Yeah. Um, well, one part was we did photos for the book. <laughs> These are really nice photos. Uh, we've oh. only seen two. <laughs> no, they're good. They're it's good. A, you know, the photos of the postures and then some of the movements and alternatives. Alternative There's positions. a wonderful one of Nolly that we're going to... We're, we keep thinking we're, we're going to make animating. it into it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's so silly looking. Um, but, um, you know, I was lamenting, uh, and I think Mary to some degree was lamenting that, oh, if we'd only done these pictures, you know, Before, 20, 30 years yeah. ago. <laughs> Before we were in be our much 60s. Easier, you know, and the postures would look a lot better. <laughs> and, uh, and then, uh, fortunately, we had a really nice photographer He's great. Good with lighting. Mm. There's only three days of. But they came out. Well, they came you know, out they came okay. out really well. I think, given, yeah. given everything, we'll show them to you. And and this is a uh, very nice posture here on yeah. the front cover. Yeah. Yeah. Nice silhouette shot. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that yeah. was, and then you know, for. Because I've done, I used to do lots of photos and the videos and things back when I was, you know, you know younger, you know. And uh, then looking at these photos and like, oh, no, no. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> and but it's just a seeing good how exercise. silly that is yeah. in my own brain. Of course I used to be younger, you know. I haven't met anybody who used to be older, you know. And it's like, this is profoundly silly on my part, you know. <laughs> And then kind of getting into it, well, it's it's fine, you know, because I'm, you know, the yoga is actually getting better mm. with, you know, less work. It's getting to be better. Yeah. Yeah. So that was that <laughs> was. Before I let go of like. Yeah, the challenge really was not so much the actual photos themselves. They, we were. I mean, there's something like, two hundred and something pictures. Yeah. There's a ton of pictures. It's 350 pages long almost with uh, the whole book. So there are a lot of pictures. And to do them in three days was amazing. <laughs> it's a lot of asana. <laughs> it was a lot of asana. And, um, yeah. you know, so in that, when we look at it, it really, it, it really is what Richard was saying. You know, our, it, it's hard to look at yourself to you know and to say oh my gosh look there's that person who is that you know who is that old person and then realize oh that's me and then because as an as you age one of the things that you experience which you will experience one day too is um, this sense of that you're really not aging that there's this continuum this connection with who you were when you first started to really you know kind of have this cognition that you were part of the the world, that the world wasn't completely, you know, circling around you. Yeah. And um, you'd have flashes of that. And, and, and as you age and get older and older, and we've talked to older people than us even who have, you know, s said things that allude to this, that you just, you feel like you're young still. Yeah, because fresh, there's... Innocent. Yeah, there's that connection. <laughs> And uh, so on one level, that was the difficulty with the pictures, was that it's like, 
you know, we were right there with them, and it felt just great. And then you look at the the faces, and it's like, well, who? How did the gray hair happen? <laughs> you know. So, and then you say how silly that is, just as Richard was saying. Or, and we do that on a little level, you know, in our practice. Like, why am I not as flexible today? Or you know, and it's like, oh dear, what's wrong? I had a really bad practice, and it's it's all this mind game. So that it was both. A good exercise, and you know, it wasn't that difficult to do them. Yeah, the pictures were. Yeah, it was fun. Symbolic. Yeah, it's almost like there's this twenty-five or thirty-five uh, inner you looking down at this yeah. vessel in shape, and you're like, "Where did? <laughs> yeah, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's and I think it. You know, part of what we we thought, oh, we could get young people to be the models mm. and it, we're, we're making it sound like they're really creaky and old I think that we should have shown you the book ahead of time because no, it, it, they're not that bad um, <laughs> sure they're awesome yeah but um, you know but then you realize that part of what we're teaching is that this is a practice that hopefully you will do until your last breath mm. and that doesn't mean that you will be you know doing the fancy poses where you're standing on a mountaintop with your leg behind your head or whatever, it means that you will be doing the deeper part of this practice if you, you know, just stay with it, that this will get you through, as it has for us, um, it can get you through the tough times. Mm -hmm. And that's much more important than which pose you're doing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about a challenge of uh, the literature piece and the writing? The writing. We -hmm. had a good process. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so we would, um, uh, we got a good out, we, you know, talked about getting a good outline, sat down and discussed it, and then we would, it just works with our system of writing together to, for us to talk and for me to take notes and as we're talking, and then I would start, you know, we would say, here's this one section we're going to talk about, and we'd talk about it and write notes as we were doing it, then I'd do the first draft, give it to Richard, and he'd work on it, and we'd do it back and forth in that way, and it seems like it works. Mm. Do you think? Yeah, I think it works. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah more, more is coming. Yeah, more, more, more things are coming. Yeah. yeah. Would you say that yeah. this writing of your book together um, allowed you guys to uh, connect deeper with one another in a different way that was maybe a little, I don't know, new? Have you worked on a book together before? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So this is, this is good. Yeah. It is familiar territory. Good. <laughs> and then what I always find in this type of book is the Sanskrit diacritics. Oh, so that talk about hard. That is, a, that is a technical difficulty, particularly with computer software, because... There are 50 letters in the Sanskrit alphabet, and there are how many? 26. 26 oh, in the Roman alphabet. And so you have to, and so we were quoting, you know, not only the names of the poses, but quoting a few verses here and there. Hmm. And then to get the diacritics entered within the particular software that the publisher uses is just, it's a headache, I think yeah. that's the word for it. And it takes more time than. Even for a scholar, such as yourself, in the Sanskrit language, I I couldn't imagine 26 to 50 letters. (laughs) (laughs) 
all these funny things and getting the the computer to make the letters correct and then sending it off to the and they send it back and oh oops we forgot there's a mistake there and there's a mistake there so there's a lot of back and forth uh, with the publisher getting mm. yeah correct and then forms. you know running spell check or running you know find such and such a word and you find some diacritical marking for some part of a word that then appears in all these other words like system or something might have part of a word that you had corrected in Sanskrit and then suddenly all the systems in the book would also have this weird Sanskrit part in them and you wait a minute. So it's a complicated. Nice. It's good. Wow. It's, yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for giving us behind yeah, the yeah. scenes uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. experience on that. <laughs> so just a few more questions. I think I'm going to read this little oh. excerpt right here. It says... Uh, more than just a book, this is a body of work that proves that yoga is a spiritual path and that the body is not reducible to mere bones and muscles. I strongly recommend this book to all sincere students of yoga from Miss Kino. <laughs> oh, she's, yeah, yeah Miss Kino McGregor. That was kind of her. That's very nice. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, how many people have read this book thus far? Well, our editors, yeah. ourselves. Um, we sent it to four or five yeah. people. Yeah. Select. Yeah. Select few. Well, we got, you know, in the publishing process, you send it to people yeah. who you write know blurbs. who might, mm-hmm. might write blurbs. So, so let's say uh, by the time this uh, recording is live and out into the ethers of the, the interwebs, <laughs> uh, the book will be released and it will be available to uh, the entire Ashtanga community, Great. you know, all across the world and especially to the beloved yoga workshop. Yeah. And uh, say someone has read the book. Yeah. Okay. They're done. What would be your golden nugget that you would kind of be offering to, to these readers, to our listeners as they look to integrate? that which you have offered into their own lives. What would you say? Um, I would just say, you know, see if there's one small thing that, that speaks to where you are now. Mm-hmm. And, and don't try to read it front to back. You know, just take one small section and see yeah. if that works for you. And yes. then... Keep coming back to it if that if that feels right. Yeah, if you find any little bit of it fascinating, mm. then go into it. Go into it more deep, more there. deeply. Yeah. Um, you know, it could be a, a philosophical point, or it could be an alignment point in the postures, or it could be uh, one of what we call internal forms, you know, having to do with your palate or something. But explore it. And uh, so that would make that would be consistent with Patanjali's teaching Yoga Sutra that what you take the process of samyama, which includes this keen observation through samadhi, just looking at stuff, and you find just something that's interesting. Mm. Whatever it is, it could be microscopic or macroscopic or even middle size. Um, well, going to it. Well. Richard, Mary, uh, I'll speak for my own self, with I, which I think is reflected in so many of the 
the, I would imagine hundreds and thousands of people that you have <laughs> influenced. We have so much love oh, for you guys. You guys you. are amazing examples of how kind you are, how compassionate you are, and just how uh, dedicated and devoted you are to sharing what you love. So thank, thank you. you. We're really excited about the, the art of vinyasa. Thank you. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. you. I think that it'd be uh, appropriate if we could close with the closing chant as we open. Oh. Ah. Okay. Well, this is a chant um, to kind of give it all away to others. Yeah. And so it's for the well being of other, all types of beings everywhere. Mm. May they be happy. And so it's. We can chant that. Om. Swasti Prajabhya Paripalayantam Nayena Margena Mahim Maheshaha Go Brahmane Bihashubam Astu Nityam Loka Samasta Sukino Bhavantu Om Shanti, Shanti, Shanti. Yoga Revealed Sangha, this is Alec Vishal Rubin thanking you so much for listening to Richard Freeman and Mary Taylor on the Yoga Revealed podcast. Richard and Mary's new book is now available to you at richardfreemanyoga.com. Click on Shop and the Books tab to order today. They recently launched their new website, and it is so beautiful. See if you can catch them as they travel and teach around the world. My friends, until next time, keep practicing and visualizing the best life that you deserve. Namaste. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.